Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. promise to you. God has promises to you. Go ahead, take your seats. And There are promises in the Word of God and there are promises for your life. And we're saying that even when my hands are shaking and even though it feels like things might not be working out the way that I thought they would work out, I'm going to lift my voice and I'm going to declare the promises, God, that You have spoken over me. And we're going to talk today around one of the promises that God has promised to your life. But before we get into today's message, I want to just take a moment and pray over all of us. Pray to God Almighty, because I don't know where I find you today, but I do know this, in three weeks' time, it's a brand new year but you don't have to wait for a new year to have a new start. You can find that right here and right now. So I'm gonna pray that just as we open the Word of God together, that God will help you to have the ears to hear and the heart to receive what it is that He wants to convey to you today. So good God that you are, we come to you this morning, Lord, expectant, leaning into all that you are. I pray, Heavenly Father, that this day we would go home changed. Help us to hear something brand new today from your Word, a concept, a thought, a revelation that maybe we've never heard or understood before. I pray, God, that you would be present here by your Spirit. That, God, as we lean in and we listen, we will feel like you've been speaking to us personally. I pray, God, that you help me to convey and articulate your Word. God, we give you permission to be yourself in this place today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Well, good for you guys for putting a pause in your week and going, I'm gonna just check out of all the Christmas hustle and bustle and all of the shopping and all of the parties just for an hour and I'm gonna press pause and I'm gonna be present in the house of God and I'm gonna come and I'm gonna rest and I'm gonna listen and I'm gonna find out some things that God has to say for my life. Because this time of year, right, it's busy, it's hustle and bustle. This is the time of year that many of you parents and grandparents, you'll be going to school to watch the children in the nativity scene, right? The same nativity scene that you also partook in when you were a child at school. And we all know the score, yeah? The cool kids get picked to be Mary or Joseph Or you might get asked to be a shepherd or a wise man and it's just downhill from then on because there's only cattle that's left. And um, Or if you're anything like me, I got the role of being the innkeeper's door knocker. Hello. Like, I didn't even get stage presence. They put me behind the stage with a microphone and my lines were rat-a-tat-tat. That was it. And so I was not one of the cool kids that was ever picked to be Mary or an angel or anything like that. But 
We know what it is to watch the nativity scene or to partake in the nativity scene. And we get to use phrases like joy to the world and Emmanuel has come. And, you know, we sing songs about we three kings of Orientar and we talk about a virgin birth and we talk about three kings that brought three gifts to the newborn baby, frankincense, gold and mare, and nobody ever explained to us why they never bought a rattle, a teddy and a jumbo pack of nappies and helped that family out. It was just kind of odd, the gifts that they brought for the baby, right? But at the age of six and seven, you don't think to ask questions like, where is Orientar? Or what is Emmanuel? Who is Emmanuel? Or what is a virgin birth? It's like we're teaching our children to go through the motion and act out this cute little themed story that comes around once a year, but we never really give context or understanding to what is actually happening. And I want to do that in part today. There are many parts of the Christmas scene that we could look at and we could talk around, but today I just want to take this, this, this little snippet and it's found in Luke 2. And it's the scene of the shepherd boys in the field And it says that they're watching over their flock of sheep. So the heat of the Israeli sun has gone down and they are just chilling. The idea is that they're watching out for predators that would come and take their sheep. And these boys would have been teenage boys. Maybe they were lying on the grass, stargazing. Maybe they were chatting amongst themselves. I don't know. But it says in the Word of God in Luke 2, suddenly... An angel appears to them in the night sky. I mean, suddenly. These kids had never seen a sci-fi movie. They'd never seen anything unusual in that way. And all of a sudden, an angel appears in the sky. And it says that they were terrified. And when it says that they were terrified, it's because they were all of a sudden in the presence of God. And it wasn't that God is scary. It's just that they were aware of their humanity against his divinity. Because when you're in the presence of God, all of a sudden you're aware of who you're not. So these kids would have fell prostrate at this sight of this angel in the sky. They'd have had their faces to the ground. And the angel says to them, don't be afraid. For today I bring you good news. For in the city of Bethlehem this day, a Saviour who is Christ the Lord has been born. And in verse 13, it goes on to say, and suddenly, so this is their second suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to men. This message of peace was so significant, so powerful, so life-changing for mankind. God didn't try to tell somebody through a dream. He didn't try to tell somebody by an impression or a thought. He didn't deliver this message by a donkey or a dove. God thought this message of peace on earth was so significant, he sent a multitude of 
angels to split open the night sky. And in one accord, they began singing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth for men. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to all men. Can you imagine what was going through the heads of these three teenage boys? Bible scholars teach us that any time the Bible references a host or a multitude of angels, it's talking about angels in the tens of thousands. So the sky split open and tens and thousands of angels are declaring, singing, shouting out of the skies, peace on earth to all mankind. Peace on earth. To all mankind, this is the first night of Christmas, as we have now called it. But this was the very first night the heavens could have opened and they could have declared anything. It could have been a host of angels all singing, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. They could have said that. They could have done the Coca-Cola chant, holidays are coming. It could have been that that they announced, but it wasn't. It was peace to all mankind. It's a saying that we hear said at Christmas. We see it written on Christmas cards. We sing it in the carols. It's on calendars and posters and pictures and signs. It's a saying that we quote. It's a quote that we say, peace on earth. And yet we have little understanding of what that actually means. You know, we live in a day and age now where I think the Christmas story has kind of uh, become more alien to people now than ever before. There is so much accessible to us with Netflix and the internet that if you ask this generation, what is the true story of Christmas? I think some may say it's a baby born in a manger to the Virgin Mary, But others may say, well, it's the ghost of Jacob Marley appearing to Scrooge. Because we don't know what is fable and what is truth anymore. It's become like one huge blend. But today I just want to help give some understanding and a little bit of context as to why the angels were declaring peace on earth and what they were actually meaning. What they were saying was, now there is a saviour. There can be peace on earth for people. That's what they were actually saying. One time in my life, if you'd asked me what peace is, I'd have shown you a picture of some white sands on a remote beach in Bali, and I'd have said, put me there. That's my idea of peace. But I have come to learn and understand that an idyllic setting in a remote location is not peace. It might be peaceful, but it is not the type of peace that the angels were declaring about on that Christmas night. It's not the type of peace that God was talking about has come to mankind. Because if you can go away to your idyllic setting in your remote location, but the problem is you have to come home and face your reality at some point. So these angels are declaring peace on earth, peace on earth. You see, you can go away on your spa day and you can, have, you can have away days alone, but at some point, you've got to come 
home. And when you come home, the pressure and the problem and the situation is still there. For temporarily changing your surroundings does not alter anything in your life. On that most holy night, the angels were declaring there doesn't have to be a temporary solution anymore. There can be a permanent fix to peace. Peace has now come to the earth. What they were actually declaring was what the prophet Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years ago has now become a reality. And all of the Jewish nation would have known what the prophet Isaiah had written and scribed for them hundreds of years earlier. Isaiah had heard from God and he had, he had written these words. For unto us there will be a child born, and unto us there is a son that is given, and the government of this world will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So what the angels were declaring on that most holy night to the shepherd boys were, it's happened. He's here. The one they call Almighty God, the Prince of Peace. He's come to mankind. The dictionary definition of peace and the biblical definition of peace are very, very different. And that's because the, the dictionary gives you a definition of peace according to the world standards. It's according to what people of the world know and understand. The dictionary definition of the world's peace says, freedom from disturbance of problems. We think that it's the absence of the problem that equates to peace. And we all know what that's right like. If you've got more than one child... Every woman in here who's got more than one child, I'm sure you will know what it is to lock yourself in the bathroom with a cup of tea just so that you can have it in peace. Just so that you can have a moment that is free from the disturbance and the problems for the rest of your household. The problem with that kind of peace is the minute you unlock the bathroom door, it is over. Now, the biblical definition of peace is very, very different for peace is not the absence of the problem. Peace is the presence of the prince. Yes. And the idea that God was saying was, I am sending one who's called everlasting father, almighty God, prince of peace. The idea is that the prince of peace will be present in your problems. You can have peace in the middle of your chaos. You can sleep at night. You can calm your racing heart. Every single one of us here today, we crave peace. We long for peace. We all want peace in our life. But until you come to the realisation that it is not found in a place, it is found in a person called Jesus, you will be forever looking for it in a counterfeit. You will go seeking for it in relationships. Well, I just like the way that person makes me feel. They make me feel a certain way. And though you know the relationship is not good for you, you will go there anyway, just because you're looking for that moment of peace. But it is a counterfeit. We will look for it in alcohol. 
Because when I drink, it nullifies my problem. When I drink, I don't feel anymore. When I drink, I'm just not aware of the pressures of life anymore. But the problem is the alcohol wears off and you've still got the problem. You look for it in the calmness of a cigarette. Because when I smoke, it just, just relaxes me. I feel I can breathe. But the cigarette, it don't last that long. And it's a counterfeit. You look for it in retail therapy, shopping and buying things you can't afford just because you like the way it makes you feel. For a moment, it makes you feel like you forget about the problems that surround you. But one day, you're going to have to pay that card off. And we all do it. We change Jobs, we move houses, heck, we even change churches because we're all looking for the place of perfect peace. But when someone else offends you, and by the way, they will, what do you do? You up sticks and you want to move again because I've been offended. And so I want to move again. And you will take offense and you will go and try and find your peace in someone else or something else, somewhere else but can I just encourage us all this morning? For as long as there are people on the planet, your peace will be forever challenged. It's a fact because your your peace will be forever challenged because until you realise that peace is not found in a place, but peace is found in a person and his name is Jesus Christ, you will be forever searching and forever moving. In John 16, Jesus had something to say about this. And I'm going to read this scripture in two halves. The first half says, this is Jesus speaking, everything I have taught you is so that the peace which is in me will also be in you and give you great confidence as you rest in me. I want you to understand this today that Jesus does not give you peace. He is peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And when you invite Him to live in your life, He brings all that He is and He dwells in all that you are. And when you understand that all that He is, dwells in all that you are, you will understand that your peace cannot be taken by a person or a problem. You know, as Christians, we often um, use paraphrases and sayings that simply because we've heard other people say them and we will recite them and say them and they're not always accurate or true. For example, I hear people say things like, I just lost my peace. Like, you know, I got involved in that situation and that conversation and I just lost my peace about it. Can I tell you, you cannot lose something that God has put of himself inside of you. You can't lose it. You can give it away. And every time you give in to the feeling of anger, and every time you give an ear to that gossip, And every time you give your mouth over to being a sower of discord, and every time you let fear take root in your life, you just gave your peace away. You can't lose it, but you can give it away. 
The second part of the scripture, this is Jesus speaking. He says, for in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. Hello. (laughs) I wish it said you might, possibly, periodically, every now and again. You just might hit a bump in the road. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. But be courageous because I have conquered the world. If I could surmise what Jesus was saying to the disciples here, he's saying, listen, I know your future. I know your future because I saw you before you were even formed in your mother's womb and I knew you. So I know every one of the days of your life. I know how many days have been allocated to your life. I've been to the end of your life and back again and I've seen everything that you're gonna face, everything that you're gonna come up, every difficulty, every problem, every trial and every situation. I have seen it. So I have gone ahead of you and I have provided my peace in the form of Jesus. I have provided peace for you so that you will not have to do that problem, that situation on your own. But I, the Prince of Peace, will provide a safe place for you, a shelter for you to hide under, a wing that you can crawl under. I am going to be with you wherever you go. So you do not have to carry the weight of that problem alone. I know you're going to go through it. I know it's going to hurt. I know it's going to be an issue for you, but you don't have to do this alone because the presence of the Prince is with you. You know, it kind of like, it's like, you know, Jesus is saying here that he knows what's ahead of you. He knows what's in your future. And he's made provision for you to come out of the other side. If you're born into this world, you know, it's pretty much a guarantee that you're going to hit a bump in the road. Problems are going to blindside you. Something's going to happen that you didn't see that coming. The girl may finish with you. The job may fire you, the bank won't lend to you, the kids will hate you and you'll find McDonald's fries down the side of the seat in the car and you'll just flip one day because it's like driving you mad. You're just going to have moments of your life where stuff is going to take you by surprise. But when Jesus was saying peace on earth, when the angels were declaring it in the heavenlies, they were saying be of good courage. Because the Saviour has now been born and he that is in you is greater than anything the world can throw against you. He that is on the inside of you is greater than the conflict that is going to come against you in your life. He promises you peace on earth. He does not promise you absence from your problems. And in Matthew 8, there's a story about Jesus and he's on a boat and he's going from one side of uh, the Sea of Galilee across to the other side and he's with his disciples. And it talks about this storm that breaks out, like an almighty storm, probably of like hurricane proportions. And it says about him on this boat that what you've got to understand is that the disciples, most of them were fishermen, right? So they, they knew the sea. They knew they were avid sailors. They knew how to navigate the waters. They spent most of their life on boats at sea. But it says this storm was so bad, it says that they got scared. They were afraid for their lives and they got scared. 
I don't know if anyone is like me when you're flying and um, there's an announcement that we're hitting turbulence and the seatbelt sign comes on. Like the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look at the expression on cabin crew. Because I'm like, these people, they fly all the time. And so if their face stays nice and calm, I'm okay. Even though it's bumpy, I can relax. But if they raise an eyebrow, I am like freaking out because I know that this is not normal. So these men who were avid sailors, right, they're freaking out because they think they're going to die in this storm. Now, they've got Jesus with them on the boat. They know they've got the presence of Jesus with them. They know the power that Jesus is able to, uh, that Jesus has on the inside of him and the miracles that he's able to perform because they've walked with him and they've seen the power of God operate through him. The problem they have is Jesus is fast asleep. He's down below decks and he's gone to sleep. And in their humanity, they think that when Jesus is asleep, he's just checked out. Like he's no clue what's going on. And I don't know if you've ever felt like God's gone asleep on your problem. I don't know if you've ever been like, you know what, I've not lost my faith. I'm still praying. I'm still believing. I'm still hanging on in there. I'm reading my Bible. But right now, I don't see him. I don't feel him. Nothing is making any sense to me. It's like, God, have you just checked out on my situation? And it says that the disciples, they go below deck to wake Jesus up. And I kind of have this funny picture in my mind when I picture this scene because um, I have not really been in a storm that's in hurricane proportions, but if anybody's ever tried to cross the Bay of Biscay out of the UK via boat, that can be pretty stormy. And I was on a a boat many, many years ago and, and these boats are huge. They have stabilizers on them. But you couldn't walk in a straight line. People were green. People were being ill. They were holding onto the walls. If you lay down, one minute your head was pressed against the wall and the next thing your feet are standing up on the other wall. It is so disorientating. So to be in a storm of hurricane proportions, I can imagine, you know, I think we read it like they went down below deck and they were like, hey, Jesus, are you waking up? And it's like, no, I think Jesus was sliding up and down the deck while he was fast asleep. And these disciples went down and they would have been screaming his name, Jesus, Jesus. And I believe it was this way because the first thing Jesus does when he wakes up is he challenges their faith. He says, why are you so afraid? Why are you afraid? You know, I don't think Jesus was saying to them, look, guys, why are you afraid? You've got the presence of the prince here. Why are you afraid? This storm is not sent to take you out, but this storm is meant to get what is in you out. You know, I just want to give you a little bit of a a warning or a word of encouragement. Take it whichever way you like. But if you're praying for peace in your life, what you are in essence doing is inviting a storm into your world because you do know that peace can't manifest unless there is a storm present. And what Jesus was saying to the disciples is, you don't know what's in you until it comes out of you under pressure. And there are going to be times in life when we experience our own storms. There are going to be times in life when we feel like we experience the pressure. 
And Jesus is saying, don't let this thing rob you of your sleep. I think he was showing the disciples, I'm asleep on the outside because what I'm doing in the natural should look like what's going on on the inside of you. You don't have to be afraid. You can have a good night's sleep. You can stop your racing heart. You can calm your mind down. I'm not asleep because I have peace. I'm asleep because I am peace. And people, we need to realise that the storm that rages on the outside is no match for what is on the inside of you. The storm that rages on the outside is no match for the Prince of Peace who dwells on the inside. But the idea of God's peace is it's not a place that you go to. And the problem we have is so many of us treat peace in moments like We have a problem, we want some peace. And that's kind of how we think in life. But peace is not meant to be a moment. It's meant to be a place that you dwell. You're not supposed to run looking for peace when something goes wrong in your life. You're meant to do life out of a place of peace. When you do life daily, walking and journeying with God, aware of who the Prince of Peace is on the inside of you, then you need to realise, okay, that I can't actually have peace under pressure. Though the problems are still there, I can't have peace under pressure. Because as we go through life, pressures come, right? It's part of growing up, it's part of getting older. We get different pressures when we build relationships and we're dealing with finances and we're raising children. That's pressure. But you learn to grow and mature as a person and you begin to handle and and, um, candle and carry different pressures. But the pressures that we don't handle so well are the unexpected ones that arrive in our world uninvited and unannounced. These are the problems that we did not choose, but for some reason, life chose them for us. But Jesus had something to say about that too. In Matthew 11, he said, Come to me, all of you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. This is what he's saying. Come to me. Be with me. Walk with me. If you carry in a heavy burden... Come to me. Don't take a spa day. It's not about booking a holiday. All of those will give you temporary fixes. But he says, learn to do life with me and I will give you rest. This kind of looks like, have you ever been carrying a really heavy bag and then all of a sudden somebody gets hold of the other handle and carries it with you? All of a sudden it's not that great a weight anymore when somebody else is carrying it. You know, my husband is such a gentleman. He like, you know, and it's not often I big him up, is it? But he's an absolute gentleman because he'll never let me carry a heavy bag. If ever there's anything heavy, whether it's shopping bags, he's like, I've got this, I've got this. Any chance to flex his muscles? I've got this. He says, I'll carry it for you. Sometimes we're rushing through airports and he's like got his bag strapped over him this way. He'll strap my bag over him this way. He's got his case and he's got my case and he's navigating escalators and I'm just like walking alongside him. And I'm like, babe, I can do this. I can carry it. And he's like, no, 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 Emma, this is way too heavy for you. He knows what I've packed. He's like, this is way too heavy for you. I've got it. And he's always done that for me and always does do that for me. 
And I can just walk through the airport with him knowing that's my stuff, but he's bearing the weight for me. It's such a picture of your life with Jesus. You are going to go through problems and hardships and you're going to face some stuff that you're like, I don't even know how I'm going to get through this. But when the presence of the Prince is with you, when the presence of the Prince is with you, you don't have to carry it alone. You don't have to shoulder that burden yourself. When the presence of the Prince is with you, He'll take the load. Yes, it's your problem. Yes, you've still got to figure it out. Yes, you're still going to have to face it. Yes, you're still going to go through it. But you don't have to carry the weight of it anymore. You know, when Jesus left this earth, he ascended back to be with the Father. And I absolutely love this scripture that's found in John 14. Because when Jesus first made an entrance into the world, the angels made a declaration, Prince, a peace on earth. They were saying the Prince of Peace is here. And when Jesus' time on earth was done and He ascended back to be with the Father, He said to the disciples, I'm gonna leave you with a gift. (laughs) He said, I'm gonna leave you with the gift of peace. I love that. They announced peace when he came. And when he left, he said, I'm not taking that peace away. I'm leaving it with you as a gift. Peace of heart, no racy heart. Peace of mind, gonna be able to sleep at night. And this is the best bit. The peace that I give you, it's a, it's a peace that this world cannot give you. It's a peace that this world doesn't understand. So when stuff comes against you in life, don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. You have a supernatural gift of peace. I think of all the things that God could have given to us when Jesus went back to be with heaven. All the things He could have given to us. He could have given us some more answers, right? (laughs) He could have left us with a bit more money. Could have given us a pair of wings in case we ever needed to just vacate the earth for a moment or two. But he didn't. Because him being the one who's been to the end of your life and back again, he knew everything else you can figure out, but peace you're going to need. So I'm giving it to you as my gift to you. You'll figure the other stuff out eventually. But my peace is a gift to you because it's my peace that's gonna be your strength and my peace will be your hope. My peace will help you to forgive. My peace will help stop the fight. It'll calm the quarrel. My peace is what will silence the enemy. In case you didn't know, it's not your many words that silence the enemy. It's the peace of God on the inside of you because He can't wage war against your peace. Remember, He can't take it from you. So your your peace silences the enemy. And here's the deal. This peace is not accessible to the world. It's not found in stuff. It's not found in other people. It's not 
found in places. This peace is not known or accessible to the world. This peace is a perk of being the King's kid. This peace is given to you when you invite the Prince of Peace to live inside of you. It's a peace that guides you. It prompts you. It advises you. It encourages you. And on that most holy night, when the sky split open and the angels declared peace on earth, what they were actually shouting is, guess what? Something of heaven has now come to the earth. Something that could only ever be found in heaven has now been given as a gift to the earth. Because God knows you and He knows what battles you're going to fight in life. And so He knew what He had to gift you with because He loves you. And He's like, you're not going to do this alone. You're not going to do this battle alone. You're not going to face this problem alone. I'm going to be with you in the form of the Prince of Peace, every step of the way. Can we stand in here this morning? Isaiah 26 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. If you want perfect peace this Christmas time, it's not dependent on the family all behaving. If you want perfect peace this Christmas time, it's not dependent on the gift you receive or the dinner going well. If you want perfect peace this Christmas time, Isaiah says, fix your thoughts on Him. Because whatever else happens, he will never leave you and He will never forsake you. And greater is He who is on the inside of you than that battle that is coming against you. And I'm gonna take this opportunity to pray because we never finish a service without praying for people who maybe you've never asked the Prince of Peace to come into your life. Maybe you don't know what it is to do that journey alongside God. And maybe you've never had the experience of having the burden or the heavy load carried for you. And I wanna give you that opportunity. You don't have to wait another three weeks for a brand new beginning. It is available to you now. You know, the other name that they gave to Jesus, as well as Prince of Peace, was Emmanuel. And it was the first time that he'd ever been called Emmanuel on that most holy night. And all the Jewish culture, they would have understood what this word meant. Because Emmanuel means God with us. And they'd only ever known God to be above them before. They'd only ever known God above us. We pray to Him, we talk to Him, everything is up. But when Jesus came to the earth, He became Emmanuel. God with us. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to talk with you. I'm going to journey through life with you. So I don't know where life finds you today, but as I pray this prayer, if you find yourself going, you know what? I either re need to reconnect with the Prince of Peace or I want to invite him into my life for the very first time, then I'm going to ask you just to repeat these words after me with every head bowed. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you that I find myself listening to these life-changing words today. I'm asking you, Prince of Peace, come and dwell in my life. Bring calm to my anxious thoughts. Bring peace to my nervousness and my turmoil. I ask you, God, to forgive me for the way that I've been living my life. And today I choose to invite you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord of my life. Direct me, show me, and help me. And I ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to see you again soon.